0: Welcome to the Performance Level Podcast, where we aim to empower individuals to unlock their full potential through conversations with experts in all fields of performance. Join us as we delve into the tools, techniques, and strategies needed to ignite personal growth, overcome challenges, and guide leaders towards impactful and fulfilling lives. Together, let's unleash potential. And ignite performance. Ah. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. My name's Eric Claremont. Today we've got Brian Alcantara. Brian Alcantara is a um, an old friend, you know. Uh, we we met back in Hicksville, Long Island, right? On our on our coaching courses. It's been great to reconnect with Brian. Brian is currently a consultant who focuses in soccer-specific club software and technology. He's currently working on a new project with Track160, where he's overseeing US partnerships
1: and working in partnership development. Super excited to talk to you today, Brian. Yeah, Eric, it's really good to catch up, man. I've I've been following your journey since we met back in like, what, 2011, 2012. So excited to catch up. Not much of a journey, man. Not much of a journey. I'm sure... Uh,
0: There's uh, a lot, a lot, a lot uh, that we can catch up on, which we've already been doing for the past like 15, uh, 20 minutes. But, um, you know, let's start really, Brian, with your um, your journey. Right. Um, I'm super interested and our listeners are super interested with, you know, how, you know, formative experiences when you're when you're younger kind of shape um, your your beliefs and really your 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 journey later on in life so why don't you start at the beginning um with regards to kind of your background and kind of how you got into the current career path that you're in now
1: sure so um well it's going to be a deep dive here uh i would start with i uh i grew up in long island um my parents were immigrants from chile so we're chilean and uh We moved to Long Island when I was probably four or five, so I was born in Queens. And um, my parents' story is really where I feel like I developed most of my, I would say, my paradigms, my my belief system. I think from my mom's side, it was the caring, nurturing, uh, super intelligent, uh, above and beyond, shirt off your back type of a person. And then from my father's side, it was this uh, hardworking, put your family first, uh, do anything you can, just. Uh, he was relentless uh, brave he was uh, unbelievably hard-working and I think I steal a lot of that today in, in combination with uh, I guess my leadership style my management style just my overall day-to-day actions
0: fantastic fantastic uh, that's great so yeah. like We're- yeah you know talk to us <laughs> about I guess um, you know your childhood growing up and, you know, I'm really interested in things like, you know, school and sport, right. And, and how, yeah. you know, um, just, I guess, you know, growing up in Long Island, um, you know, it, you know, in your family that you've just succinctly described there kind of um, what are some experiences that kind of stand out for you, um, you know, that you, you know, kind of continue to kind of bring out again, you mentioned that caring and caring, loving, but still like kind of hardworking family first kind of how did that manifest within your, within, you know, a, a 10,
1: 11 year olds kind of life? Oh, Great, great question. So I was lucky. So my dad played professional soccer in Chile, right. And we ultimately um, were bored with basically a ball at our feet. And then when I was around 10, 11 years old, I had been basically playing travel soccer for probably But back then the entry level of travel soccer was probably U eleven or U ten. Right now it's like U four. Uh, but I had played with a ball at my feet. I had an older brother, which was great because he, you know, beat me up, made me tougher, which was big. Um, but in terms of uh what my mindset was like or like I guess school and whatnot, I was I was lucky. I was really smart. Um I was uh, in advanced classes and in academic, academic enrichment programs at a very young age. Uh, the school that I was in had unbelievable teachers. I think to this day that I follow my my second grade teacher, uh, my second and fourth grade teacher, uh, Mrs. Ruisi. Uh, she, she was this unbelievable, like spitting image, not like um, uh, aesthetically, but she was just like perfect personality match with my mother. And I think she was the most influential teacher I ever had. And I know that since then she's won like three or four New York state teacher of the year awards or something along those lines. And uh, I think I was really lucky to just be in the right environments and that helped nurture me. Uh, and that's actually funny. Cause I, I, that's exactly how I look at the coaching uh, role, right? It's like, how am I putting players or coaches in the best environment for them to learn and grow through experience rather than me kind of yelling at them and telling them what to do and giving them the answers. And I felt like that's where my father, my mother, and then my my teachers, specifically Ruisi, set me up for success with that. It's just all experiential.
0: So you said, uh, what's her name? Miss Miss Ruisi? Uh,
1: yeah, Nancy Ruisi. Ruisi. I never really called her, Nancy, So it's yeah. Mrs. Ruisi.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but you know, I'm interested um about that, that formative experience, right? In in, you know, uh, with your teacher in that classroom. Uh it's yeah. You know, it's amazing that you know you're able to bring that back. It must have had obviously um, a you know a lifelong kind of impact on on obviously um, you know as you said your approach to coaching and, and and leadership. Talk to us about the environment that she created, and then perhaps so so from a from a kid's standpoint, right? Yeah. Okay, what did it actually look like? But then also now, as an adult, you're like almost your reflection on what that kind of did to you
1: later on right uh you know it's great because this is actually bringing up a lot of feelings right now I'll say uh I, I think when I was a kid honestly I was really like, like not mischievous in like a malicious way I was just very like I kind of felt like I was um I, I I wanted to get what I wanted and I would do anything to get what I wanted and to have a good laugh and to have fun and enjoy things and I think because things were somewhat easy for me in terms of my learning, I kind of found shortcuts that maybe some others didn't appreciate. And uh, forgive me, my my little ones are here in the background.
0: No worries.
1: Uh, So I think I found shortcuts, to be honest with you. And I think for some who weren't used to having someone with shortcuts, they were a little bit resistant to it. And uh, now I think my appreciation for that is finding the kid that I know can read the game a little bit differently and doesn't have to work as hard. Uh, But what I loved about what Mrs. Rusi did is that she didn't really tolerate me taking shortcuts that didn't lead to success. So she uh, was more of like, do the little things that are important and matter, the details, pay attention to it. And she was always big on, uh, she was always really big on keeping me challenged. Uh, I I can tell you one specific thing that I remember most. There's another kid in my class. I'll leave him unnamed, but he's also super intelligent super intelligent and uh i guess uh, I, for lack of a better term he was like an advanced student and when we would compete against each other i was a little bit of like a crybaby with like oh, i don't want to lose because i was so used to winning and i think she deliberately matched us up almost like ability based coaching in your in your sessions i think she matched us up on purpose to and i'd love to have this conversation with her to this to this day but she matched us up on purpose because i felt like she knew i needed that challenge mm-hmm and that forced me to find a different way uh to get to the answer quicker or just come up with the answer so it was like yeah i think that's what she was about was i don't want this to be easy for you because you're going to get bored i want this to be a challenge for you so that you're in- intrigued enough that you have to dig a little bit deeper and figure this out so
0: super yeah. cool super cool i love i love mm-hmm. that because i think again a lot of coaches and just individuals in general right in leadership um you know um capacities um and this can range from you know um organizations but also sports you know you know we tend to have that you know we have a good plan for the people in the middle right um you know that the general curriculum what that's going to look like but then for people you know at the top or even sometimes at the bottom we we struggle with that plan right so i love the fact that it almost seems like mr Risi was kind of ahead of her time right differentiated learning individual kind of development plans and kind of focusing on you know you as a as a a person first and then obviously your skills and developing those skills I love I love that um, that answer and how you've kind of framed it to now um, you know you know um, really just reflect back on your own coaching style and now like to be able to, you know, come back full circle, right? Uh, and I, I can almost, you know, I could almost see you just imagining yourself in that, you know, in that classroom and kind of flash you know, because flashcards. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. But like the funny thing is, is that at the time, you know, and and this is one perhaps for parents, but also coaches, we feel that negative experiences sometimes you know are are not a good thing or we should hold um players and people especially in their formative years back from those kind of you know failure basically right from being challenged and and having failure um you know we speak a lot about growth mindset on this uh podcast um we recorded um a you know a, a podcast with um somebody by the name of matt best he's a he's a sports scientist and kind of um, focuses on psychological mindsets and things like that. And, you know, he spoke about that need to see kind of challenge as a, you know, as a positive thing, something, somewhere where we can grow, somewhere we can get better. So, um, you know, that definitely resonates, you know, with, with, with kind of everything this podcast is about, everything that's, that's kind of, um, you know, you know, relevant today in, in kind of leadership development, but also in personal development, you know, So um, now, listen. Thanks for that. For that, um, that you know, trip down memory lane, so to speak. Why don't we? Why don't we go like again from now? Your again, youth career and and um, you know, earlier childhood development. Talk to me about now, perhaps later, getting into the workforce and you know, your your first kind of, I guess, work experiences.
1: Yeah. So uh, I was super young when I started working. I was ambitious and I wanted nice things. And I remember one of the biggest things, believe it or not, that drove me to get into the workforce was I wanted to buy a surfboard. When we moved into this little tiny house in in Hicksville, uh, they had the people who had lived there, I guess, were of an older generation and they left all all these crazy antiques and whatnot. But when I went into the garage, there was these two like antique surfboards. And I was like, whoa. And I'm like moving from Queens to like Long Island, a barrier island with beaches and whatnot. And i was just like well this is this is really cool and i was like infused by by uh surfing so i said to myself well i want to go and do as much research as i possibly can and i would get magazines and whatnot because the internet wasn't as big but i'd get magazines and eventually i'd find people in like i don't know i forget what i used to use on it was aol something but i um i just found as much information i could and i remember there being like a uh a job uh, not a job market aka uh, almost like a marketplace where people would post like hey I'm selling this almost like it's a garage sale online which is like the first start of me experiencing those things and ultimately I found a surfboard and I was like oh it's like I forget back then it was maybe like $350 that's a lot of money so I remember that inspiring me to go and want to get a job so I got a job at a bagel store and that, uh, that that built uh, a lot of uh, experience for sure. And Long that- Island
0: bagels, man. Long Island yeah. bagels. Anyone who <laughs> hasn't gone, yeah. that's one thing. So we have really good friends out in um, a place called East Northport, obviously up in the North Shore. And, like, you know, I actually used to stay there when, when yeah. we did that Advanced National because through the work that I'd done, I'd met them on a, on a camp, I'd stayed at their place and we just always kept in touch. So even just like this summer, one of the, one of the girls got married. So we went up there and me and my wife are just like, you know, we're going to get, you know, a bacon, egg and cheese. You know what I mean? We're going to get like uh, plenty of bagels just to, 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 to take back uh, home with us to Florida. So, you know, trust me guys, like listeners, if one thing that you take from this podcast, go to Long Island and the bagels are, nothing that you've ever tasted before man but sorry yeah i had to yeah
1: no it's good we we are definitely known for our bagels they're special um yeah they're, they're super special but I, I yeah i worked at a bagel store i was like 14 years old um and it was it was great great experience uh i think i had called out one day last minute and i remember getting the call from the, the manager and being like look i hate to be i hate to do this to you but like, we just can't tolerate that. And I was like, Whoa, first lesson. And like, don't call out like late to to, to work at last minute on a Saturday morning when you're half asleep and the bagel starts cranking with business and this guy just needs help. And man, that was my first kind of big experience of like letting someone down outside of my immediate family, you know? And like, Oh boy, I just let a, a leader down, right. Someone who's in charge, someone who is managing me and, uh, to hear his voice and and like the disappointment in his voice, I was like, "Oh man, I really didn't want to let someone down like that." So, uh, first lesson in uh, absolutely
0: I guess- in the workforce, right? Well, that's that's a good lesson to learn, right, early on, because yeah. I feel like that happens a lot yeah. uh, today, even in just in uh, again sports, but also work as well. Um, yeah, within our environments, we've got young coaches as well, right? And it can sometimes be
1: super, yeah. Difficult yeah so from, from there I'll, I'll skip forward to like the soccer stuff right i think that's where you and i have the most commonalities um i uh, i stepped into it at a very young age my brother's like hey i, I know these guys that he met through, through playing at uh liu and uh he he introduced me to them they started a training organization out of a garage in long beach new york and they basically grew like overnight to like just insane critical mass of uh, of business and they were hiring like crazy so I sat a room with this guy. Uh, it was Andrew and Scott, Scott Lieber, and Andrew Mittendorf. They uh, they started a company called Coastal Soccer, and I went and got a, a coaching job with them part time, and it was uh, it was a really cool experience. And uh, I think that's where I found like my, one of my biggest passions and most rewarding experiences from a career perspective. Where I'm sorry, right now I'm literally juggling giving applesauce to my daughter while we
0: have <laughs> no worries. Real life, real life uh, problems, right? Yeah, no
1: so I um that that was one of the best experiences obviously because it's been the longest thing that I have going for me in my life in terms of being involved in coaching in terms of uh in terms of being involved in soccer uh, which is always such a big passion of mine having grown up playing for so long and it was one of the biggest things that for my myself and my father that was our connection it was the game which was absolutely awesome for relationship you know and he coached me when I was younger So I get into the coaching world and fast forward, I eventually uh, get an opportunity at a local club in my hometown, Hicksville. They were for the first time ever. And it was probably only like the second club on Long Island at that point in time that was looking for a director of coaching or a technical director. And to be honest with you, I had no idea what the heck it was. I was like, what what in the world is this? And I remember calling my older brother, three years older than me, the one that got me the job in coaching originally and saying, hey, Hicksville's got this thing going on. And uh, he's like, he's like, you're crazy. You'll never get that job. And uh, yeah, so I I looked at all the qualifications that were required to do it. I'd been coaching at that point in time for probably five years, maybe six years. I had a little bit of confidence in myself, false confidence, to be honest with you, because I really was not good at all. Uh, I met some really great people that gave me some advice on how to prepare for a role like this. Uh, one of them was this guy named Kurt Rosenthal, who at that point in time had founded a club called Manhattan Kickers, which was like this revolutionary approach to... Back then, it was revolutionary, right? The 4v4 method, the mini ball, the tiny goals, the small fields, wow. uh, very football style. And um, this was seven years before U.S. soccer brought out the PDIs and the small-sided oh, wow. games. Okay. And uh, he, he introduced me to the Manchester United pilot scheme. And I was just like, whoa. So I bring this information, this newly found information. I bring it to my interview. And I'm like, we're going to do this because it's going to revolutionize how we, how we develop players here. Uh, and I got the job. And I was uh, 24, maybe 25 and a director of coaching, which no one on Long Island had a clue what the heck that meant. <laughs> not even I, not even the club that was hiring me, to be honest with you. Uh, they didn't really fully understand what it was going to be because out here, the training organization model was so prevalent, right? It was like, and you, I think you know it well, like the Noga Soccer's of the world, which yeah, is like, yeah hire a coach and he's going to be with you left and right for whatever programs you need, whether that's the four-year-olds, the 15-year-olds and whatnot. And then uh, that was like a next step in my understanding how to manage people, motivate people, and I guess be a quote unquote leader. I never looked at it that way. I was just a guy trying to do what he loves and trying to bring my friends for the ride. And uh, I brought a lot of really good coaches in and we ran a program and it was great. And that grew and grew and grew and it was awesome. We had clubs from uh, locally that were asking us for help and we jumped involved in that. And before you knew it, I think at our peak, we had like 12 or 14, 12 to like 14 coaches part time that were working crazy amount of hours. And we we're working like three or four different clubs and probably impacting maybe like 50 something travel teams. Absolutely. Uh, and we were just a bunch of young coaches that were like, hey, let's go have some fun teaching kids how to play soccer. And then eventually that turned into uh, my opportunity at the New York Cosmos. I had gotten a call that they were trying to start youth programming and they needed someone to come in and help them organize coaches and curriculum and all that fun stuff. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. I balanced both at the same time, but eventually the Cosmos grew to a certain point with the help of some really awesome people. I'll name uh Brian Walsh, who's currently like the GM for youth at and strategy at uh NYCFC. At cfc I know Brian. We took the, yeah, the yeah. coaching
0: course you know, together.
1: Yeah. We were the Brian's. It was awesome. Like, uh <laughs> man, talk about mentors, right? Talk about the most humble, caring person ever. Then I'm going to staple that back to like my mom. Brian Walsh is like this, like heart of gold guy that just cares so much about doing what's right for kids. And I'm lucky I got to work with him and I'm still a friend to this day. And I'm just texting him and calling, called him just the other day. And uh, that's another great person that kind of brought in a little bit more of my paradigms and understanding of how to care for people and how to work really hard and how to follow your passions. And yeah, so that was Cosmos days. And I got the opportunity to coach in the academy and meet the Marcos Senna's of the world, the Raul Gonzalez's and uh yose uh, garcia who i'm still friends with uh jimmy Maurer, who's a goalkeeper at uh fc dallas now uh all these great people and gio Severese who unfortunately just uh finished his tenure at, at portland timbers uh but i mean there's great people who love the game and when you throw them a text they're willing to kind of throw it back all because this little tiny ball connected you at some point and it felt like you're basically related you know fantastic so,
0: that's great yeah um- you Know a great story there, Brian, and some, and some, you know, some, some, I guess, you know, bringing you back to you know some key mentors and some key figures within your journey, right? Um, you know, we're big here at PLA just on mentorship, right? And, um, the need for mentorship and coaching, um, as being significant roles within anyone's journey, right? <clears throat> um, i guess you know within that you know within within soccer right how, you know for you like how important was that 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 mentorship and i guess you know somebody who who didn't know how to like run a club and 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 things like you know values and creating a you know uh, a purpose and curriculum and things like that you know um you know what were your what again you said that your views on it early on were like non-existent and you kind of had to learn within within the within the roles right um you mentioned some names there but anything that kind of stands out for you that really were like some light bulb moments for like you know okay this is the type of you know organization that i want to you know run what or 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 work within right um yeah jump into those for sure
1: uh, you know, the, the immediate thoughts go to the mentorship I had, I think was so good that I didn't realize it was mentorship. I felt like it was me being put into like a puzzle, almost like, a uh, well, son of a B like, what, what, like, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, like, well, it's kind of like a go figure it out or go, go make some damn mistakes. It's going to be okay. Like, go, go, go figure it out. Um, and that, to be honest with you, both as like a solopreneur and like, as uh, being a a co-director of the youth programs with Cosmos with Brian Walsh was kind of like they gave us the key to the castle to kind of build what we wanted with it. And we were just like looking around at ourselves, like what are they crazy? (laughs) And uh, almost like not imposter, maybe imposter syndrome of like, Oh my God, we're, we got to do this. But at the end it was kind of like motivation from guys like Brian that were like, well, we're here. We might as well do it right. We might as well give it our hundred percent effort and let's go let's run with it. I remember the late nights of being in like our offices after we had to go and work at the game and go back to the offices to prep for a camp with a hundred plus kids on it. And we were there all night printing certificates for the players. And ultimately the thing that I remember Brian saying is like, kids deserve it, right? The kids deserve to feel like they're special. Let's go make sure that we do that. And I was just like, Holy crap. That's it's amazing. And, uh, uh mentorship in terms of us uh, i don't i don't know if it was intentional but they were kind of letting us learn through experience and then uh eventually and i know you're big on this by the way eventually it was like a reflection process it was like uh, okay well what did we do then is that what we were ultimately achieving did we achieve what we wanted to and then what do we need to do differently if if we're going to if we're going to make any changes what's going to make it even better and i remember a lot of like our camp curriculum our regular curriculum the onboarding of coaches the training of coaches, it went from like bare minimum to like, okay, a good process and this is really good. So, uh, sorry, give me one quick sec. So, so long story short, I feel like a lot of it has been uh, uh a lot of it has been uh, 100% experiential. Yep. Uh, at the start, I got to be honest with you. I had no idea what reflection was no clue and it was just go 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 100 miles per hour putting out fires nonstop. stop i forget who it was that eventually said to you guys like what are you what are you guys trying to do what are you trying to accomplish what's the goal here and it's just like what do you mean what's the goal it's just it's just be busy uh-huh. yeah. and um yeah we figured it out i want to say it was probably brian walsh to be honest with you yeah. uh so baby first then you can uh, use the sink like you always do so it was a kind of uh, my buddy Rich Scott calls it a penny drop moment where you're just like, whoa, idea, like, wait a minute. Like, maybe we should be a little bit more focused with what we're trying to accomplish and achieve. And it was around that point in time that ultimately we found out that our goal was at, at Cosmos to have a fully funded uh, development academy with the, with the DA, which was then DA, and now is MLS Next, I guess you could say, um, which was like, okay, great, let's go. What do we need to do to get there? And we, we did it. We got the academy status. Uh, luckily, I was able to coach in that academy with guys like Ronan Weissman, who was our academy director, and Juan Palacio, who was this phenomenally licensed coach that played for the Colombian national team with like Valderrama and had all this crazy breadth of experience. And um, yeah, some really great people. And Brian Walsh was the academy manager. So he's doing all the administration. And we were caught wearing like seven different hats. Yeah, which was just like, they trusted us. And that was awesome, right? So in terms of like, the leadership stuff again, like again, we were put into a puzzle by people who just gave us trust and the room to go and make mistakes, and on occasion some feedback where of course correct. And really, the feedback more than anything was amongst ourselves, which Fantastic. was good. love that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm probably probably all over the place. I just feel like I've been at this so long. There's so yeah. much to probably tell, but I'll try to keep it pointed into our, our focus here.
0: No, 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 no. This is that's incredible. You know, uh and again, just to kind of bottom line and. To kind of, I guess, you know, really just reflect back, obviously, what what you've just put there. I've I've obviously written down the key parts there that I got was first of all, you were kind of given autonomy, right? You were given yeah. the ability to make mistakes, right? So important for any mm-hmm. young leader, um, coach, even performer, right? The ability to kind of, you know, these are the keys to the castle um and now you know you go and you you act and you work it out but then as well as that the importance of now at a certain point you kind of realize that it was important to identify what is the iterative process right so what is the you know what's the method to the madness right so you know you know what direction are we going in right you know you know what purpose What's our purpose? What are our goals? You know, what are we trying to achieve? And then as you said, that reflection process, right? So I think both of those are super important and that balance between both, right? Because you get organizations who, as you mentioned at the start, kind of give you the autonomy without the um perhaps the the tools to be able to do the job, right? Versus um people who or, or organizations or or even leaders who give you the tools, like here's everything that you need to do, do it like this. Um, you know, at this time, um, you know, in this way without any autonomy, and then you have no, um, no, no power, no, no uh, agency, right. To make that yours. Right. So now, you know, that leads to problems of lack of ownership, you know, lack of ability to make things yours. And then also, you know, um, level of understanding, I think, right. Because if, you know, it's very easy to just kind of, um, I guess, you know, re you know re like you know someone does something can just kind of you just you know reflect back that process and do exactly the same right versus now you making it yours and now you know adding little little parts that make it brian's rather than rather than someone else's so super super interesting there where you've got like you know you have you've put in autonomy with that now process that you kind of developed later on man um, yeah. that's fantastic so, I guess you know one question that I would have is you know our vision here at p l a is obviously to empower leaders and performers to unleash their full potential um so you know how will you describe you know your purpose and take that where you want want it right with regards to you know life you obviously have a family you know you're you're an at home dad right now right um, and you know actually within within you know you know, your own life, but then also maybe related to work as well, what, you know, and maybe how those two are linked kind of what, you know, how do you see your, you know, your vision for how you, you want your life to be per se?
1: Wow. Great question. My vision for how I want my life to be. I, I, oof, I can, I can share, I'll share a story right now. That's uh, close to heart. So uh, after Cosmos had uh, unraveled, unfortunately, the, the, the club had folded and the league had folded the NASL and uh, I did some soul searching. And it's funny because my daughter at that point in time was like three months in the womb, uh, my first daughter. And so like 2016, did some soul searching and a big passion of mine, having been a entrepreneur building a business, but a a big passion of mine and helping Cosmos build their business was I, I relied a lot and heavily on technology and software to help me accelerate what I could do or, so that I could do five things or the jobs of five and only be one person. So learning how to build a website, getting uh, platforms to collect registration fees, using Google Drive to access all coach information and having a shared library for everyone to kind of know what our curriculum was, what our plan was, different ways to use uh, PDF and graphic design tools so that people had like infographics and easy to use information or digest. I was like trying to be a coach of like running a business, right? Like. How do I get this complex information to you in the most simplistic way I possibly can, where it resonates and you have like the feels, right? And all that led to my decision that I, I got involved in a software company, a SaaS company in, in in Manhattan, right around the time that my daughter was born, and uh, it was awesome. I mean, talk about the most forward thinking, smartest people I'd ever been around. This guy Brian Litvak and Jeremy uh, um, Goldberg that were just visionaries and inspirational people to their staff and you get in a room with them and you feel like you are a part of the future you know it's like we're not there yet but we are we are the future and it was awesome and i think a lot of uh, tech-minded people are, are like that so ultimately that built this really big passion and i felt like a purpose of like well I have this consistency of my life of constantly wanting to share information with others in a simplistic way that's efficient and effective. And I think I found a purpose in like, well, how do I help others? Like I was a coach, how do I help others learn how to do this, start their own business, be entrepreneurial, be more efficient at work, be more focused, and ultimately, so the end user is a beneficiary, right? And I, that's my job as a coach is that the players are the end user of they're more efficient on the field. or smarter. They love the game more than um, I, after about six months, I got a phone call from Red Bull and with an offer to take over a uh, uh, coaching education role. And that's where I met some uh, unbelievable people. I mean, the group at Red Bull were phenomenal forward-thinking people as well. And I brought my, uh, my tech savviness to them and we started using things like Slack and Asana and trying to be a little bit more, uh effective with our uh delivery uh, our our presentation delivery of education we would have 200 plus coaches in a room at one time how do you get everyone's attention and how do you make sure that they walk away with uh tangible knowledge and that was uh, a really really great experience talk about having to learn how to be a leader and whatnot but purpose when you when i felt alive in a room full of 200 plus coaches Having the opportunity to give them a little bit of, I knew then what what I know now, just that willingness to share of like, I want to make your life easier. I want you to have success because I know the kid on the other side is going to be 10 times better off for you having bypassed all the mistakes at the same time though, here I was thinking in my head, they need to experience the mistakes to really understand it. And uh, I started to change my way a little bit, right? It's like uh, becoming a parent uh, everyone said it's going to be hard it's going to be this and you kind of like shrug it off and now when you you actually experience it no matter how many times people told me the things that we were going to go through as, as parents between my wife and i nothing is going to compare to the actual experience of it and i have adopted that more than anything on all aspects it's like when you want to try to prepare a coach like hey it's your first team session go out there and have fun and tell me what you think about it afterwards. And I'll always call that coach after and be like, so tell me what you experienced. And I'll just kind of highlight like, oh, wow, this is what their eyes gravitated to and their their thoughts they're missing so much, but it's okay. Next time I'll add that layer in, add that layer in understanding that it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. And- I, love
0: I love that because I think, again, this just brings back to like leadership and coaching, right? Where one of the biggest misconceptions um, just in life in general, I feel is um, because I teach you something, it doesn't mean that you've learned it, right? Or that you can use it. Um, and and that what you're describing there, that ability to understand that, okay, you're, you're going to bring this, you know, within your own words into someone's being and their own experiences, but they're going to need some time with that. To grapple with it and make it theirs, so that now that's actually actionable for them, man. Um, right. That's that's super, super, super interesting, super important. Um, you know, so I, I've just written down here my interpretation of your uh, of your uh, vision, right? Your purpose, uh, the ability to harness technology to empower and inspire leaders and performers to reach their potential, right? So I mean through that story, do you know what I mean just that you know you know you're you're a teacher you're a you're you know you're a guide yourself do you know what I mean with regards to all the roles you've had and you know I love that story because it really kind of brings back full circle the the process right that you took right within your own formative experiences of having autonomy but then needing a process and now you've harnessed this the skill, right, that you have, which is the ability to use um, really very complicated technology systems, right, uh, to a lot of people, and now obviously using that, you know, in a in a in a digestible way for people to now actually bring to life. So that's again super 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 interesting, man. Super exciting. Um, Thank you.
1: I like that. By the way, not just technology. I think also the, 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 uh, experience, right. The, uh, the failures, the mistakes, the environment where you can stumble and pick yourself back up again. I think harnessing that as well has also been a part of it. So yeah. I think how was that, that?
0: How is that process? T- talk to me about that second part, right? What, you know, that experience, right. Of, you know, we know, uh, you know, you've spoken a little bit about it, um, you know, uh, on, on the soccer field. Right. Um, but you know, let's say day to day, um, maybe in a in a in a company um you know uh, for a leader who is managing um you know perhaps younger people or or a or or a director of coaching who is um, managing younger coaches right they don't have the experience to to you know adapt the information that you're giving them right so you know what is that process in action obviously you've mentioned hey you know autonomy it's really important to be able to make mistakes but yeah. you, know, how, you know how do you create almost a process so that we can still ensure that development is taking place rather than just you know people just making the same that happens as well right in yeah. in certain organizations the same mistakes keep happening over and over we don't learn from them and then the organization doesn't grow doesn't doesn't keep moving forward um, yeah. what does that process look like to you um in your in your experience
1: i feel like There's a lot I could sprinkle in here. There's the, I think as the mentor, you want to um, have a clear understanding of what success looks like and then how they get there, I think should be the autonomous piece, right? If you communicate that clear understanding of like, this is what success looks like and it's reasonable, kind of like setting smart goals. I think you help them come up with what they need to get there so if it was a a training session and you say hey ultimately i just want these players to understand this we want to change behavior as coaches and i think as mentors and managers we hope to change behavior but i don't want to dictate exactly what behavior gets to that outcome because i feel all too often we try to shove people into this little tiny box to be maybe another replica of us and it's like well well, why would I want another one of me? I am me. Like, like there's going to be smarter people out there. I always tell uh, coaches that Messi and Ronaldo have incredibly uh, equal amount of success on the field, but the way they get to that success is so different. And that's fantastic because it just tells me that everyone has the ability to be their own personality, but still get the same results. And I think as a mentor and I'm thinking like leadership, first off, I got to admit like, I still, to this day, don't like telling anybody I'm their mentor. I don't like telling anybody I'm their manager. It's just, hey, we're on the same journey. You're just on a different step and path, which is totally fine. How can I help you? As opposed to, I need you to get here faster because I'm here. And I used to make such a terrible mistake of thinking people understood and had experiences that I had that would then avoid and anticipate certain things. And it's like, well, no, they just haven't. And I look at it as a parent too, by the way. I think to it, like my kids fall, my wife and I are very different types of parents, right? I'm trying to coach them through the experience and the failure where she's more of the, she's my mom. She's a nurturing one. She's the, I'm going to pick you up as soon as you fall because I don't want you to feel any pain. And uh, which is great. They need that mixture of both. Another thing that I've learned in, in in management and leadership is uh, approach them differently at different times. Right. Um, But regardless, I think, um, to get back to your original question, I, um, yeah, I, I mean, experiential learning has, has been awesome. So just watching them and asking them some guided questions, I think that were like, I don't know, with coaching, it's like, what, what were you trying to accomplish? And, you know, how do you feel you did against it? And what would you change if you got a second chance, which they're going to get a second chance. And then what do what you think the outcome would be if you made that change? We, uh, we were lucky. At, at Red Bull, we had uh, – are you familiar with Sarah McQuaid?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, on the master coach, she was a speaker. Um, yeah, yeah. soccer coaches. Remind me what her focus is. Not- she got an organization
1: called ETC Consultants. They help uh, sporting organizations with uh, developing coaches. So she created the, the Coach that's Development for yes. Coaches. And then she also has a partnership now with Me Mentor.
0: Me Mentor, uh, yeah, um, that's it, yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, she's phenomenal. But one of the things that she shared with us was like a golden nugget, was the English FA has this four-question method of like, what went well, uh, even better if, next time, and then success looks like. And that to me was like, holy crap! That's that's a really good reflection process of like, well, let me start with the positive because when you ask coaches, and we I've done hundreds, maybe a thousand plus feedback sessions with coaches, the first thing they go to is to just completely just poop on themselves with like negativity and oh, this didn't happen. So it's like, and I, honestly, I felt like it was because they felt pressure because a quote unquote mentor was there and they wanted to look good and impressed. And it's not what you're here for. You're here to just do a great job with the kids and make sure they walk away having fun, having learned something, and. Um yeah, I felt like that process that Sarah introduced us to was phenomenal. Just to, it, It's so great when you actually have a conversation with people, even outside the soccer world, by the way. Okay, so tell me about that experience, what, what went well for you. And they just open up with, like, things. It's just, some of them, and then I try to steer them back, but some of them all obviously start with the negativity. It's like, no, no, hey, I asked you what went well. Like, let's say let's positive here. Like, let's appreciate that you made an effort to go out there and do something positive. And so what would you change? And usually the even better if piece is so much longer than the what went well. And then, all right, so let's pretend next time, what would you tweak? What would you want differently? And then what's the outcome that that produces? And how do you know that, like what success looks like? And they're just like, holy crap, I have this perfect image of what it's going to look like. So it's not only do I know what I'm going to do, but I know the outcome that I should, that tells me I've gotten there. And if it doesn't get there, is it okay? Yeah, of course you have more time. That's fantastic. I'm, uh, um, I'm like jotting down copious
0: notes because now you've just triggered like five <laughs> things, five yeah. different rabbit holes. This always happens in the best conversations when yeah. like you say something and now I'm just like, frickin', I need to write this down. Cause I'm going to forget it. But honestly, I'm, I'm going
1: to drop another bomb on you if you don't mind.
0: Oh man. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I look, I, I think I'm
0: yeah.
1: the learning process and whatnot, but there's a guy named Trevor Reagan who has a podcast called the learner lab. Okay. And one of the, Biggest things he talks about is embrace failure, right? He talks. I think it's called the uh, jungle tiger uh, versus the cage, uh, the zoo tiger. So in the zoo, your everything's given to you. Versus in the jungle, you learn by experience. Which one do you want to be? And I, I've always that stuck so hard. And I'll share afterwards the the link to the video where he talks about the jungle tiger and the zoo tiger. But it's something that we actually embraced at at Red Bull. Because we were we were kind of uh, obsessed with, well, kids need to be challenged for it to be fun. Like video game psychology 101 is like, they love the struggle. They love being able to pick themselves back up again. And I remember I used to ask kids like, Fortnite, you play a thousand games, how many do you lose? And they'd be like 900. And I'd be like, why don't you put the control down though? If you lost 900 times, it's like, there's like this infatuation. with Like, oh, I get to try again without anyone yelling and barking at me. And I, it was amazing. But we were kind of, when we were observing sessions, we were just like, They're making it too easy for these kids because they want it to look perfect. Like, how are they going to learn doing the same things that they already know how to do? And on game day, they're going to be so underprepared when a team rightfully manhandles them or like completely bulldozes them because they are gritty. They are like resilient. They're going after it versus kids who are just so comfortable going through the motions. So I know there's probably a lot to unpack there, by the way. Uh,
0: No, my first question is, because that's a super you know um you know i think an underlying um theme throughout our conversation is um through mentorship and development right at the end of the day um uh, you know and and let's focus on kids right um talk to us about that phrase that you just said there which is really the ability to build resilience in kids you know i'm a big believer i don't know if you he- uh, have heard of someone um in the US, by the name of Alex Hormozzi, you had Alex Hormozzi. I need to link you to his stuff. Uh, he's super um, big within the world of business, but you know, relating it to life in general. And a, a big thing that he says is, you know, if you if you had a almost, you know, like uh, the Sims, right? And I'm, I'm. This is my own interpretation of it, so it's not exactly, definitely not verbatim what he said. But you know, like the Sims, where you can create like a house but you can create basically your character, right? Um, you, know, you know, and if you had almost like a Sims type game and you wanted to create a somebody who was going to be able to be successful and um, resourceful and, you know, basically live life successfully in today's world, you know, what experiences prior to that would you probably um, open them up to? right? And the answer probably wouldn't be, oh, I'm gonna give them everything that they need. I'm gonna, um, you know, nurture them at every moment in time. um, And, you know, basically give them all the tools that they have right there and then, right? It'll probably be the opposite, as you're mentioning, right? So, you know, deal with some adversity, have some difficult things happen within their lives, right? So in action, right? How, like, we know, At least most people know that from a logical standpoint, you know, you need to deal with adversity to grow and you need failures. Right. You know, in a, you know, within a soccer environment, for example, how can coaches and even parents um, deal with that, with that side in order to grow resilience within their, within their children?
1: Wow. You bring up such a great thought, um, with parenting, and I think I'll try to connect the dots backwards. So the hardest thing as a parent, which you probably know is watching your kids fail or struggle or possibly get hurt, right? That that fear, that fear, feeling of like, oh my God, something bad might happen, the anxiety goes through the roof. And I think it's really hard. And that's why they talk about helicopter parents and backpack parents and lawnmower parents and all these different types of parents. I really think it's just emotion coming over you of like, oh my God, my most prized part of my life is potentially going to not be good enough or whatever it may be. And now fast forward that to as a coach who maybe doesn't have kids and doesn't understand that a parent's reactions to them as a coach, as their kid is failing, is going to be extremely negative because like, well, my why, why, why kid knows how to do that. So, well, your kid's never done it with pressure or enough pressure where they have to change the way they respond to that pressure. And I'm trying to put them through that in a nurturing way where I accept their mistakes, which clearly you can't. And I've come across that situation so many times with parents where I've had to ask, like, tell me the college scout, tell me the professional scout that's on the sideline watching your kid at U9 determining their fate to, to, to success at a professional or college level. And I'd love to have a conversation with them. And they kind of look at me like, like I'm being facetious or something like that. It's like, what do you expect? They haven't, they haven't been playing for longer than three years. Like, what, what, do you, what have you been doing in your life that you're perfect at, that you've been doing for less than three years? twice a week for an hour and a half maybe and they're just like they kind of settle back but their emotions are still coming over them but then as a coach the reality is that we obviously obviously at, at a collegiate level which i think you're very experienced with you get judging on your performance the, the results matter at that age that's trickled down to the youth as well um and then ultimately you have managers, mentors, leaders that also look at your performance as the maybe the wrong KPI. Uh, you you mentioned something earlier like where do you want to be? where do you see your life and you build this beautiful Sims life and this metaverse, right? It's like I want to be in a place where people understand that mistakes are going to happen and it's completely okay that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. And I always want to meet those challenges with all right there's an opportunity to learn. So what did uh what that Michael Jordan quote? Like, uh, I've never lost a game or something like that. I uh, I win some I learn some.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. um you know, I miss, you know, 100% of the shots that I don't take, right? Like Gretzky, so again, that, yeah. Again, yeah. yeah, Gretzky as well. So that ability to, yeah, deal with adversity, right? So I love that. Uh, and the conversation that you have, right, of, you know, what's the pressure, right? A lot of the time, parents especially we right because I'll be the first look luca I've got a little one as well he's 3 or sorry he just turned 4 um this week and he you know i mean the ability you know when you become a parent to become mindful and in the moment becomes so much more but you learn so much right and i haven't been within the environment um of youth sports yet and dealing with that kind of thing but it's become you know i've become i feel much more empathetic with parents and you know where they're you know the why behind you know the craziness right of yeah exactly that that kind of look that's their little you know i mean like because i know how i see luca and i want to protect him from from different things I've and I've, i've had like you know similar kind of conversations with my wife based around perhaps things that have happened within daycare or school like oh you know he didn't get this or they didn't do that. Do you know what I mean? When in actual fact it's, it's you know, when I'm able to reflect because it takes some time, right? First of all, it's understanding things like, you know, the 24 hour rule or the 48 hour rule are so important so that um, parents get time to just now be in a, be in a spot where they can, you know, actually logically look at actions and, and what happens. Right. Um, but then also, I guess just the fact that, um, you know, that balance between understanding, you know, like myself as a coach and myself as a parent, you know, it's kind of helped me, you know, you know, guide my communication and guide my, um, my, my parent coaching style, meaning like, because I think there's like the coaching on the field, but there's also the coaching with, with parents as well of now. Yeah. Just really catering that to, to, to getting them to understand, Hey, you know, as a parent, I understand that your kid is the most important thing to you, and so I'm going to have empathy with you know your views and you want in the very best for them. But at the same time, me as a coach, I understand from a you know, and I've been trained to figure out the best you know route to develop your 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 son or daughter from a you know you know uh, technical, tactical, psychosocial. Um, you know areas, right? So, so kind of, I'm gonna kind of try and meet in the middle. You know, so um, I, I lo- you know, I, I love the fact that you that you've that you've gone there. You know, um, and you know, I guess you. So you mentioned obviously, um, you know that importance for you know, I guess parent in resilience and you know the reflection process and understanding just the overall. Um, landscape of things right understanding kind of you know where you're at and kind of um, you know seeing it from someone else's point of view first and foremost right as being really important to leadership and you've you know given us some really really good snippets that we can use probably in everyday life um, within our own environments right Um, I'm eager to definitely make sure that we don't end the podcast without talking about your new project uh, traveling 60 and So tell us about that. What is the, what is the, um, you know, the, the, the mission there and, and, you know, what are you, what are you doing uh, within that organization?
1: Yeah. So uh, an opportunity came to me uh, not too long ago to get involved. um, And I've recently made a decision to, to go ahead and uh, uh, take it on full steam. And uh, ultimately we are a software company using AI machine learning and optical tracking to automate the match analysis process for coaches. The goal, the objective is to empower players and coaches to be better in their everyday performance. The data that it spits out is out of this world, in my opinion. And as a coach, I've used cameras relentlessly to for feedback sessions with players. Uh, I've had uh, in the past, it's ages ago, I used to use a tally app on my phone to track completed passes incomplete passes, penetrating passes uh we in my in my makeshift game model that I had when I was younger, I always wanted to know that I can get my two or my three my outside backs on the ball with possession, like comfortable possession in the final third, and I was trying to create like a five v four overload essentially and um I felt like that was a metric for my success, and if I could do it, I would give myself a plus. And I would relay feedback to players about, hey, we're we're in the fir- end of the first half. We've got 90 completed passes and 120 incomplete passes. What do you guys think of that? And they would kind of decipher their own opinion of it. What do you think we can accomplish in the second half? You think we can hit 125 and keep our incomplete below that? Yeah, yeah. They would go out there with such a clear mind and a clear objective. And those little tiny victories, and I'm thinking of like Mrs. Ruizzi when I was talking about it earlier, the little tiny victories that lead to the success were ultimately going to be the big success. And man, I had this team that just was the greatest story ever where the first game I ever coached them to the last game I ever coached them was like night and day difference. And I still have images of my, my app, uh, that just has always inspired me like, Hey, just, you know, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. So uh, when I came across this company and I realized that all the things I was doing manually, all the time and hours I was spending as a coach, dissecting film and cutting it and clipping it and writing on it, whatever it may be, and counting stats, I was just like, whoa, I don't have enough time to actually go and actually coach. Or uh, I, Essentially, when I saw this, I was absolutely amazed. So I'm now helping to oversee the partnerships here in the U.S. and bring it here to the States um, and I welcome the opportunity to speak to anybody who's thinking of the game from a data perspective that's gonna hopefully inspire players to own their development as well, but also empower coaches to understand if they're actually changing behaviors. Um, so yeah, that's kind of track 160 It's automated data on, um, I mean, anything from direction of pass, heat maps of your team shape, in and out of possession, areas of the field that you most frequently visit, divided into channels and uh half spaces even if you wanted to i mean uh it's really incredible what it, it does and how we're fifa certified for our quality specifically around accuracy of our data so no longer do we require players to wear chips or vests or drink any kind of funny juice before a game so that a camera can track them um which i know my players used to hate having to wear any kind of uh of those devices but ultimately yeah we uh are able to do all of this with what is unbelievable israeli technology that I would say is almost like military grade. Uh yes. so we're, we're really really excited about what it can do and we've already brought on some really phenomenal people and it's great. The other day I had a conversation with someone's like we're walking in through the back end of the system, the coach's side of it, not the player side. And he's like, "Wow, this is like porn for coaches."
0: <laughs> <laughs> like
1: great. I can't wait to tell people that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll but yeah. Bit, uh change the marketing perspective a little bit there, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But no, no, no. Um, that, that sounds super, super exciting. Um, You know, track 160, you know, I know for sure um, there'll be a lot of people listening, a lot of coaches and, you know, directors um, of clubs who who are linked with me and the, and the podcast that will definitely uh, want to learn more. So what I'll do is I'll definitely link, um, you know, well, we're going to link your, um, you know, your bio, your LinkedIn bio, and obviously um, the, you know, th- information on how to get into contact with you so that they can um learn more about track 160 and kind of all of its features for sure. So um thanks so much, Bright. And then again, just some closing questions, I guess, um just to round it all up. So again, we we finish with the 321, which is um, you know, the just something to round it all in and kind of um take away um you know the podcast. Um so we'll start off with our three resources or books that you would recommend to our listeners
1: Ooh, uh leadership books or coaching books or both
0: whatever you want um there's base it by... around our discussion today
1: if, if yeah. you um, all right so i think uh a book called make it stick by peter c brown okay it's a little bit about cognitive science the, the science of how we learn okay the brain actually processes and what what uh environments help our brain essentially transform uh, information from your system one to system two are you, are you familiar with thinking fast and thinking slow yeah i think fast
0: and slow daniel kind yeah. yeah. of so monkey mind and yeah like kind of yeah so
1: it, it, it talks about how you get things to basically stick into the autonomous side of your your brain which is uh fantastic so that's make it stick uh number two i i don't know i I've been in roles where I've had to influence a lot. Um, sales, um, partnership relationships, uh, you know, just uh, one of my favorite books goes back to uh, how, how to, um, uh, oh my God. Uh, what's it? Um, Make
0: friends and alienate people? Uh, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it's how to win friends and influence people.
0: Okay. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah so- uh, Gladwell, right? Um, how to win okay. friends. And influence people
0: love Malcolm
1: yeah. yeah. A lot of really good, uh, empathy of like put yourself in their shoes. Uh, and I've heard lots of similar conversations with guys like Chris Voss, who's that like FBI agent, that's yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah,
0: master masterclass. And I've got his book as well, so really oh,
1: okay, yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Um, so that that's two, and then the third one, uh, I'll go back to more like science based stuff. There's a guy named Rob Gray that's at uh, think University of Arizona. He has a podcast called The Perception Action Podcast. Okay. Um, it's been one of the most eye-opening things to me, but he's got a book called How We Move. And again, a science on like exactly what skill acquisition is. And I've always been such a freak with, I want to know more about how I can be better at designing environments and practices that help people learn uh, effectively, like where it's going to stick, right? So you combine the make it stick and you combine the, uh, Peter C Brown, Peter C Brown's book and then Rob Gray's book. And those are my two favorites from a coaching perspective, um, and coaching coaches as well. And then from a leadership perspective, I think how to win friends and influence people is really, really powerful as well.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for
1: that.
0: Course,
1: there, I I mean, who, who's not going to talk about Simon Sinek also. I saw him live by the way. Oh, yeah. oh really? Wow. wow. He's phenomenal um Great. the infinite circle um oh, or the yeah. infinite game sorry the infinite game yeah um, but uh yeah simon Sinek, of course just his his whole story it's fantastic
0: absolutely absolutely yeah some definitely some uh some names we've heard there uh before and yeah what would you say are two strategies but we can um we can you know encompass this to like you know um key traits right key traits or strategies two key traits or st- strategies that any club or company can employ to make a positive impact on holistic development so now like but again related to the themes that we've spoken about today so I guess things like you know empowerment autonomy um, mentorship right Um, even parenting to an extent right um, I guess what are two kind of you know strategies or things that we've spoken about today that you would encourage any parent, leader, performer to try to employ within their own environments that would improve it?
1: I'm sorry, let me make sure I understand correctly. You're saying what should clubs adopt that would ultimately help the environment? These
0: positive, yeah, these positive traits that we've been talking about. So what would push the needle the most?
1: I think a coach and parent engagement uh, year-round plan in terms of helping people understand the methodology, the philosophies that you have. Uh, When I was at Red Bull, no one I know in the country is spending as much time, effort, and money on developing coaches and resources to then also share that knowledge with parents that they're engaging. And I don't call it parent education anymore. I heard this on a podcast and I thought it was a genius thought. It's like parents don't want to be educated. Uh, It's parent engagement. Make them involved in the process, right? Help them learn. U.S. Soccer calls it uh, involve, engage, and Inform, I think is what we is that what they call it? Is education? Yeah. Uh, and I, I really like that process of like don't educate parents, inf- engage them, get them involved in the process and the learning process of what what is it that we're trying to accomplish. Uh, so I think that would be one huge thing is the coach and parent engagement piece. Uh, a second one would be wow. Um, I mean, I got to admit, I think there's no better tool for player and coach development than video like watching yourself I remember even on sales training when I had back in the day listening to myself speak to people and being like oh my god that's what I said yeah there's nothing more powerful than watching yourself or listening to yourself and I think that uh, players at any level can get any kind of feedback from video and watch themselves and but put them through that process as opposed to hope that they're going to go through that process so I think in encouraging using video technology in clubs for players and coaches to be better would be huge. We used to, we used to do that at Red Bull too. We would film coaches in their sessions, mic them up and everything. And then we'd let them watch it back and they'd have to come back with their reflection on it. And they would always say that that was their favorite ever feedback session. Yeah.
0: Um, With the C license, we have to do that as well. And it's, yeah, that's like, you know, a light bulb moment for a lot of the coaches because you know, as you say, there's one, there's no hiding, right? So this is objective. I'm a big believer in objective data to kind of, yeah, back up obviously our thoughts, feelings, right? Um, there's the old study of um, ability to recall from like, like top level professional managers. And it's something like 42% of, um, you know, the information that top managers got was correct um, you know, based on like key moments throughout the game, right? So um, you know, so you can imagine why long-term
1: memory thing, right? Yeah,
0: exactly, hundred percent. So um, you know, people, yeah, I think I completely agree. You know, that ability to rewatch yourself back, you actually see, and and you know, I was going to go down this rabbit hole before when I when you were talking about Sarah McQuaid with regards to um, the the ability to um, you were talking about like mentoring and kind of, um, going, I guess, um, the, the ability for feedback. Right. So when you spoke about that, I felt I was, uh, I wrote down the, the ability to focus on the good as well. Do you know what I mean? A lot of us, I think it's the human side, right. Where we, you know, our brain is um, programmed to find what's wrong, right. Going back to the Neanderthal days. Right. So that ability to like kind of, you know, as a human, we want to kind of figure out what's wrong and like, you know, what's the danger here, right? Yeah. Um where now you're forcing fine. somebody to figure out what's going right, right? And that, you know, the way that we frame it is super important as well, right? So, you know, what did you do well in this? Do you know what I mean? That's one of the yeah. questions that they use within US soccer. And another thing I wanted to share was the tag method. So similar to Sarah McQuaid and what you mentioned, but um we we use this method for. Other coaches now watching the video back with the with the coach, and now we do individual feedback of oneself, so self-reflection, but then obviously group feedback as well, right? So in this group feedback, it's done where you're supposed to tell them something good first, then you're supposed to ask a question, and then we then you give um give feedback, right? Or give a suggestion, right? And it's done like that because first. We want to find something good, right? So there's a hierarchy. Then we can ask questions. We can gain clarity rather than jump into conclusions, which we always want to do. You did this so that that means when in actual fact we have no idea. um, And then only then do you now give, uh, you know, actually actual feedback and ask questions. So um, again, a lot of rabbit holes that we can go into Uh, part two for sure. Um, And then last but not least, I guess, what is one big takeaway that you want everyone to leave with today?
1: Embrace mistakes. Go out there and make as many, get outside your comfort zone, right? Uh, go out there and make as many mistakes as you can and reflect. Um, 1% better every day. Is that James Clear?
0: James Clear. Absolutely. Yeah. Atomic Habits.
1: Habits. Yeah. 1% better every single day.
0: Fantastic. Listen, Brian, it's been a been a fantastic one, as I knew it would be. Um, you know, I'll, I'll link all the all of your information. LinkedIn's the best way to, to to stay in contact with you.
1: Yeah, I'm big on LinkedIn. It's it's become a, a great resource. A lot of great people posting really good content on there. So uh, LinkedIn, people can reach out to me, and I'll share my uh, my uh, link, my uh, profile link for you.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Brian.
1: Thank you.